Before we get started, um, I just want to ask everyone who's listening, if you find the podcast or this episode helpful, please share, so like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, wherever you're listening. Uh, leave a review if you can. It really helps to get the podcast out to whoever it can help. And um, the easiest way for you guys to help me get more listeners is uh to share it with people that you think it'll help. So um, I really appreciate it. And um, on to the show. This is the Cherished You Podcast. I am your host, Rama. Hello, welcome back. Um, I know I've been MIA for a few weeks. Um, There's just uh, some personal stuff I've had to weave myself through. And um, I needed some space. And I don't always like to record when... um, stuff like that's going on it's um it's less about wanting to share what's going on and it's more about maintenance for me um trying to get back to the practices that kind of helped me move through other hard periods in my life so I had to take some time and I also think part of me really needed a break um a lot of the stuff that I talk about and a lot of the stuff I spend my free time learning about is really heavy and this time of year um august in particular is just a really hard month um summer in general is not the greatest time for me i do not thrive in so much sunlight and heat um and now that we're in smack dab in the middle of climate change summers this summer was particularly hard um physically and emotionally and spiritually I'm just you know I feel like I'm dealing with this existential crisis that it seems like nobody else is dealing with and so I um I needed some time away to decompress and so that's what I did but during this time off and this is also why time off is important um I'm actively working on divesting from capitalism in the sense of um my worth being dependent on my production i am someone who is naturally productive um whether somebody whether somebody else judges that as productive productive or not is irrelevant for me um i i think i've i i have for the most part hit a sweet spot uh thankfully in um my journey right now where I am able to catch things pretty early on. Um, I continuously check in with myself and I give myself space when needed because I'm not a machine. Um, I will not work 24 seven. I will not work every week. Um, I am not designed to do that kind of thing. So, um, 
particularly because this stuff is really hard and I know underlying a lot of my recovery from narcissistic abuse is also understanding that the systems I live within are narcissistic. So I have to make sure I take time away from what the systems are demanding of me to remind myself what I stand for, what I value, and how to live my life in accordance with those principles. And sometimes that means taking an unregistered, unscheduled um, break for a while and to let my mind and my body kind of catch up a little bit and also make room for like new ideas. Um, it does start to feel stale after a while. It's the same thing over and over again. Um, I mean, there's nothing I've said about narcissistic abuse that A, hasn't been said a, th- said a thousand times and B, that I won't, my, I won't myself say a thousand more times. So um, some to provide some new perspective, you need some space. And that's um, what the past few weeks for me was about. But one topic that kept coming up for me, and, it, uh, and it's been a theme for a couple of months now, off and on, I'll see it show up in a lot of different ways. And it's, um, it's something I think gets lost in the narcissistic abuse conversation, especially within narcissistic family cults, um, particularly. Um, narcissistic mothers play a big role in this one, but it can happen with narcissistic fathers as well. I've seen it. But the topic is emotional incest. Now, this comes up a lot in South Asian communities with um, mother-in-law, daughter-in-law, dynamics. Um, in fact, there's a whole trope in South, in, in the South Asian community about the toxic mother-in-law, toxic daughter-in-law dynamic. And I am a woman's woman. Like I'm a girl's girl. I will side with the woman on everything. And which is ironic given, given my, my own history with the narcissistic mother, which is like the one time you can't side with the woman in that one. Um, and even then, I, I think I've made more than enough allowances on the compassion and empathy side for my mother's um, baseline. But without, without really, what I, with what I hope is not excusing her behavior. But the, with South Asian communities, it's really common to see this whole trope where the mother-in-law is has this very incestuous, emotionally incestuous relationship with her son. It's usually the oldest son. Um, I mostly talk to um, the oldest daughters of narcissistic mothers, and those oldest daughters will also know that emotional incest happens with those mothers and your and you as the oldest daughter in her family. It happened with me a lot, and I was... Um, I was given the task of being my mother's emotional support, um, starting in my teen years is my first memory, but I'm pretty sure I was being groomed for that early on. And I had to do a lot of her emotional labor. And that puts, you know, that puts me in a position of feeling like my value in a family, in a relationship comes from doing the emotional labor for the other person. Um, who is unwilling and unable to do their own emotional labor. But the emotional incest that happens with narcissistic mothers 
And, um, and while I've seen this a lot in South Asian communities, obviously, because I am South Asian, um, it actually happens in all kinds of cultures. And it's fascinating to me that it's not called out as regularly as it should be, in my opinion, because it's really hard to, as somebody who is actively working on their own healing, um, dating is hard as it is. Like it's hard to go out and find someone that won't, you know, trip your red flag alarm um, immediately. Immediately for me, like for me, it's immediate. Like there's certain words, sentence, sentence structures, a way somebody acts for something so s stupid and minute to most people, but to me is just like, like sirens everywhere. And but over time, when you get to know people and especially people who haven't done the work, they don't see the toxicity in their dynamic with, with their mothers. And again, I'm particularly um, observant of this kind of dynamic just between um, kids and their parents, no matter what age the child is, no matter what, what my relationship is, but between kids and parents, whether I'm, I'm friends with the child or I'm friends with the parent in this dynamic, and the emotional incest that happens, that is just accepted as absolutely normal. It's, at, it's just accepted as, well, I'm close to this parent. So I will do everything for this parent, to be there for this parent in a way that is not, A, allowing me to emotionally mature at the rate that I should be, should be at considering my life, my, my life journey. So, and, and so an example of this, and this is, I've seen this most, like most, any, anybody from the South Asian community will see this with a mother and her son. And I've seen it with, um, with my brothers. I've seen it with my cousins. Um, I've seen it with my friends, my guy friends, um, who have these kind of relationships with their moms or if their moms are slightly narcissistic, they either completely write off the son. And so there's that disconnection completely, or there's this enmeshment where because the mother is unhappy in her own marriage, is unable to connect emotionally with her partner, she will then create that connection with her son. And this kind of ties back to the other qualities of a narcissist which is the ownership over another person. And with narcissistic parents, this happens a lot. I gave birth to you, so you are mine. You are mine to do with as I please, regardless of how you feel about it. Um, that was the dynamic that I particularly had with my mother. She would dump in like the most inopportune time, would emotionally dump her trauma onto me. And then I would be the one spend days, days and weeks trying to unravel all of that, doing all the feeling, doing all of the processing, getting to a place of understanding to just to endure more abuse from her. And the dynamic is so toxic that when it finally comes to the point where I, as the emotional laborer of the family, 
decide that no more. I am then, I have to make the choice to cut myself off. I'm the one who has to be left out in the cold by myself, without the family, without the support, without, the, without any of it. And I have to go and build my life from scratch because I refuse to be the sole emotional laborer in the family. After years of doing it and years of doing it and not seeing anything happen as a result. And it's, it's an incredibly, um, it's really, really hard to work through that particular dynamic because I feel like for me, I, I can, I can be mad at my mom for not knowing how to do her own emotional labor, but I, for the most part, I've moved past that she wasn't able to. Just something within her would not allow her to look at herself in a more holistic way to realize that things can be good and bad at the same time. That it's not one or the other, it's one and the other. Everything happens simultaneously. We are all experiencing everything at the same time. But the fact that she didn't understand that it was not her 16-year-old daughter's responsibility to hear about her trauma of what she went through as a child and then to excuse her, the mother's behavior, as a result of it. Well, I just didn't know any better. But you do now. You knew enough to tell the 16-year-old girl in the middle of the night about everything that you went through, about the horrors that you went through. But you wake up in the morning and you still exalt the woman that abused you after telling me what you told me and you're expecting me to keep my mouth shut. Because that's, that's keeping your mouth shut is when, when you are faced with abuse is part of the labor, is part of the emotional labor that I was assigned. Now, this also applies to mothers and their sons. The son is put into a position of being the emotional bond to hold a family together when he himself is not old enough, mature enough, grown enough to do so. And also that is not the job of that relationship to, be, to, to give you that emotional closeness that you couldn't have with your husband. It is not your son's job to make you feel emotional fulfilled when your husband could not do that for you. Or also on the flip side, you didn't know how to ask for what you needed because you didn't know what you needed. You can't ask for what you don't know and you also didn't have the skills to find out what you need to figure it out or chose not to. It, it, it could be either or. And sometimes it's like most things, it's usually both. And this, the emotional incest thing, the reason why I think it's particularly horrific for people in my position who are doing the work, because we will go out with these men, with these sons, and we will see that they themselves have no emotional depth. They themselves have not had the time, the space, the tools, the resources to be able to go dive into themselves because they are too busy being husbands for their mothers. Emotional husbands, but husbands nonetheless. 
So what do you, as a woman who is doing all of this work, who has pulled herself out of one very toxic stew, to then be met with these kinds of men, what do we do? How do, how do we reconcile our healing with their unhealedness when we refuse to do that labor ever again for anybody else? Because it's one thing when you're in community. It's one thing if the other person is at least recognizing, yes, you know what, I have been doing this work for a while. I see this dynamic. It's hard to pull myself completely out of it. But I'm here trying to do the work. Will you do some of the work with me? Can you help me with my work? That is being, that's being in community. And I can, there is a degree to which if you have solid boundaries that you can do that with somebody with. But what do you do when the other person is completely unaware and unwilling to look at that? There's a whole section of men that are not available for us. And this is why it's so hard to have healthy relationships when everyone else is still operating within the system of narcissism that kind of exists. Now, not everybody has to have a, a malignant narcissist as a mother the way I did to be experiences. Em emotional trauma is something that we all experience. To some degree or another, everybody has experienced it. And if it's not properly dealt with, which is 99.9% of the time, it is not we are left with these gaping emotional wounds from these massively traumatic events that we then dump onto the wrong people to help us fix, to help us feel better, to help alleviate some of the pain. So I've been going back and forth with this topic. And, you know, I see it, like, like I said, I've seen it in my own family, both like nuclear and extended. I've seen it with my friends. I've seen it in my own personal relationships. And it's really disheartening to watch because you could, I mean, I'm, I'm somebody who calls shit out constantly. It's exhausting. I actually wish I didn't have to. But I know that these blind spots exist. And I, I feel the need sometimes to call this stuff out. And not everybody can hear you when you do that. And you got to be okay with that. And I'm not saying it's easy. It's not. Because you think that if you show up in your full self, authentically, which is the whole point of all, like of all this, the whole point of life is to live it as authentically as you can. But a lot of the time, when you are living authentically, you will be ostracized. You will not have connection. Because your, authentic, uh, your authenticity is going to trigger somebody's attachment. And that's going to be, that's, something's going to have to give. Either the attachment's going to have to give or your authenticity's going to have to give. And as somebody who's worked really, really hard to be, to, to literally make myself from scratch, 
I built myself up piece by piece over the last 10 years. And to do all of that and then to figure out, well, if I get to, if I want to be this person, a lot of my time is going to be alone because I'm not going to be able to find the people who will allow me to be me and still connect with me because I, my authenticity won't threaten them, won't threaten their existence, won't threaten their paradigm, won't threaten them. They will feel safe in my authenticity. The same way my authenticity will be safe with them. It's a really, really hard dynamic to find. And it's hard. And that's the part that nobody says out loud, is how hard it is. Because you are alone for a lot of it. You are. So I'm going to keep this one short because I feel like this topic I'm going to come back to a few different times and kind of unravel it in a few different layers because there's so many different perspectives with it. Like when I was drafting out my thoughts on it, it was just, it, it felt a little bit all over the place because it's just coming from different lenses, from different places. And when you look at it from different perspectives, it's, um, it's hard to do it in one shot, to be honest. Um, so I'm going to come back to this in a few more times over the next few weeks. I feel like this is something I'm going to be talking about a lot, but my, my plea to whoever's listening is to take a look at your relationships and see if you are doing a lot of emotional labor for somebody who can't. And if you are playing a role that you are not designed to fill. And it's also not your job to fill. Because of the relationship dynamic you feel that you're responsible for. You may feel responsible for fulfilling that role, but is it actually your job to fill that role? And then how do you go about dismantling that so that you can have the correct emotional relationship with the correct people. Like you should not be your mother's husband or your, 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 your mother's mother. Like that's not, if you're a child, if you're your, if you're your parent's child, that's not your job. You're not their peer. You have a different relationship with them. Are you doing the labor of somebody who is, not like does the labor and the role match and that's and that's a hard thing to kind of unravel and it will um and it will kind of cause some some changes okay anyway my dog's losing his mind now so we're gonna cut this here and i will talk to you guys next time thanks so much Thanks so much for listening to the Cherished You podcast. If you could please leave me a review, um, subscribe and share. It really helps get the podcast out to those who it will help the most.